Hey, After Buzzers, before we move on to your next topic, we just want to say thanks to our sponsor, Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. Plus, there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Also, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. Plus, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started. The Jericho Network on Westwood One. X-Pac 12360, featuring weekly news, insider commentary, and interviews with superstars, past and present from the world of pro wrestling. A new day is dawning for DX. And now, your host, Sean X-Pac Wolfman. Welcome to X-Pac 12360, ladies and gentlemen. I'm your host, Sean X-Pac Waltman. Still jet lagging like a mother for got back from australia yesterday yeah it is that if you drink a, a glass of water every hour then you shouldn't get jet lag but then you're gonna go to the bathroom like a million times i don't i don't believe that's true I, <laughs> I, there's not a lot you can do to counter counteract jet lag except try to knock yourself out you know using some kind of yeah. uh drug or something like that yeah yeah but still just to try to get resituated back like okay when I got to when I got to Australia, I was okay. Mm-hmm. I slept the whole way there. Thank God, because you know, like the, I don't know if anyone noticed, but like the week or two leading up to that, um, I was on edge. I was kind of irritable, and uh, and that and it was all about the flight, fifteen oh. hour flight. So uh, do you not like flying that long, or I not like hate flying? Mm-hmm. Just in general, it's. Yeah. I think that's well. I don't know for longer flights, but it feels like the seats are like way right. smaller now. Hey, by the way. Oh yeah. By the way, um, our guest this week is Flash Webster Morgan. Yeah. Yeah. I've been meaning to have him on for yeah. uh, probably actually since I saw him at PWG ba- uh, Battle of Los Angeles. Yeah. I've been wanting to have him on since he ever since he didn't get that great flash pin on the yes. screw. Yeah, but what a great way to start a match. Yeah. I keep thinking about that. Yeah. But uh, and and Flash has his own podcast and we'll, I'm sure we'll talk to him mm-hmm. about it wrestling friends I haven't heard any of it yet but it just it sounds it sounds pretty cool uh, Flash does a great job of uh, or has done I was talking to Denise on the way here by the way Denise Salcedo on the couch I'm the queen of the couch along with Lula yes. today yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, and uh, Bill Hanstock me. here at the table Hi. from uprocks.com welcome back to everyone we took the week off, and now yeah. we're back, and now everyone back. had it. Yeah, I hope you all Everyone except TK had a wonderful American Thanksgiving. There you yeah. go. Yeah. <laughs> I was just about to say, I hope you all had a happy Thanksgiving. And everyone at home that's watching. Well, a lot of you probably aren't at home. Most people aren't at home when they when they indulge. No one's ever at home. Really? No. <laughs> you watch it on your phone. I watch all my podcasts. Yeah. I put I, I watch it while I'm driving. Yeah. Not oh, really. watch them while you're driving. Not really. I'm driving. That's why you got in that accident. <laughs> oh no! That's not true. Your <laughs> you're, uh, you're, you're you're basically an honorary American watching TV while you. I, well, I mean, I don't I don't stay home long enough. But you so, know, yeah. we're excited. Anyways, yeah, great trip to Australia. The flights weren't an issue. Like like I got myself all worked up over. Mm-hmm. Um, Smooth sailing. And what a crew we had over there. We had uh, Ricochet. We had Austin Aries. We had 
Brian Cage, Zack Sabre Jr. Uh, Headbangers were on the show. Oh, dang. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Uh, who the hell else am I missing? Anyways, there was some really good Australian talent there. This guy named Concrete Davidson. Hmm. Yeah, he he kind of did this gimmick that was that looked like um, Simon Gotch. Oh, dang. You know, the That's old like, yeah, strongman yeah. gimmick with yeah, the yeah. Tarzan singlet and the, sure. and the weight belt. He That's was awesome. good, too. Did you yeah. go up against any of the 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 uh, Australia New Zealand guys who are getting a lot of work right now, like Jonah Rock and uh... No, Jonah Rock was on the show on one of the shows in Adelaide yeah. and he wrestled Zack Saber Junior hmm. and they had a really good Was month. Osprey in town for the No. Okay. No, he was he, he's like based out of Australia at the moment, I think. Okay. He's like in Australia right now, like being the guy there. Yeah, no, I haven't he wasn't there, but there was a guy that Everyone was raving about Robbie Eagle. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah his his a... uh, sister, Madison Eagle, uh, is also a, a really great wrestler. Oh, very good. Yeah. But uh, So Robbie was on, on the, the Sydney show. I don't, I don't remember him being on the other three shows, but uh-huh. he was there. Robbie Eagle's the dude who's like sort of made it happen down there, right? Like been at the forefront of this latest like Australian boom. Well, I didn't know there was an Australian boom <laughs> until I got until I got over there. Right. So I'm just catching up, getting and they, up to speed. They on also it. just announced this week that Fale, Bad Luck Fale, yeah. just opened up uh, academy in New Zealand. Oh, in New Zealand. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. Well, I just also I wanted I wanted to uh, specifically mention World Series Wrestling over there. They're the ones that put on this tour, International Assault Tour. You, I, I did something like that. I should know the exact name of it, right? <laughs> yeah. But uh, what a first-class operation it was. I mean, the hotels, you guys, were, were fantastic. Like, the hotels had kitchens, bath, uh, you know, you could do your laundry right in the hotel room, washer and dryer, balcony. Like, I was, here's the, the messed up part. It was like, okay, I go out onto my balcony. It's like 45 stories up. Wow. You know, and the balcony comes up to, like, just barely above the waist. And I'm like... <laughs> You know, does anyone ever think about somebody might, you know, fall over the edge? Or because I mean, that's the only thing I could think of the whole time I was out there. It was quite exhilarating. How do you say exhilarating? exhilarating. <laughs> well, how was the how was the crowd? I mean, I'm sure they were hyped to have this, you know, tour and all these awesome guys who came for it. Oh my God, they were, and the venues were pretty much packed. There was one venue in in Melbourne. No, oh, was it Melbourne? Yeah, Melbourne. No, Brisbane. Yeah, Brisbane wasn't wasn't a hundred percent sold out, but the mm-hmm. other ones were. Good. It was great, and even Brisbane. Brisbane was the one where uh, I don't know if you saw this, but Austin Aries got a little bit of press for cut, cutting a promo on the ring being a piece of yeah. shit. Yeah. Yeah, that was Brisbane, and it wasn't the promote the promoter rented the ring out from a local guy, and you know the guy just dropped the ball big time. There was holes in the ring, you know. Oh. You know, you got all these. It's not like you just have some, you know, ham and egger guys going out there and, you know, doing backyard wrestling. You got the best wrestlers in the world on your show, and then, you know, the ring's got holes in it. It's yeah. a piece of shit. Like the Hurting canvas guys. had holes in it? Or the no, actual... the actual, there's like woods, uh, holes, you know, like standing in the corner, and there's a hole there. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So. Yeah. Maybe, they're, maybe they're trying to do the Braun Strowman Kane spot, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> so. Uh, and yeah, so the, my match with Austin Aries was really fun. And then I had a six band the last night and in Sydney, which had the biggest crowd of them all. And I 
Dick, uh, Joey Ryan, myself, and uh, I can't remember who our partner was. Oh, yeah, I saw you guys were doing the suck it in the ring. Yeah. 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 Oh, Concrete Davidson. That yeah, was my yeah, partner. Yeah. yeah. The Simon Gotch guy. Yeah. Yeah. There's a there's a clip right here. Check it out. This is the... Suck it! Suck it! Penis flex. Cannonball in the corner, followed by the big Bronco Buster. And then hurry up, get him out of there. <laughs> I hit him with my finish right there for everyone that can't see. Anyways, awesome. you know that was it was that was a nice little piece of comic comedy comic relief in the middle of the show. And then everyone else just went out there and had serious matches and yeah. killed it. <laughs> well, you got to be careful not to get a cease and desist these days. I'm know? pretty sure I'm not worried about it. Do you like, and you're yeah. walking around the street, do people like randomly because they recognize you just say suck it like before even like saying your name or any of that stuff? Even if they don't recognize me, sometimes <laughs> they say suck it. <laughs> well then. <laughs> That's awesome picture. Yeah, that's a great picture. Never happened to see you? Uh, Joey tweeted out a oh, picture. Yeah. Of that's a great picture. Yeah. yeah, I forgot to give it to Donica. Mark's in the booth, by the way. Hey, Mark. Mark Donica in the big booth. Ups, big ups to... So. Oh, and you're rocking your new tights you were telling me about where you got the NWO on one leg and you got the TX yes. on the other leg. Nice. Yeah, yeah. So, um, anyways, what's what else is going on? We're sitting here rambling on about Australia. All right, well, uh, Cody Rhodes is bringing a new wrestling event into town. Break it down! <laughs> Xbox 12360 Wrestling News. <laughs> that's, a, that's, that's an interesting way to do it. You say the news yeah. and then you hear get the news statement. Yeah, that's good. Why not? <laughs> so Cody Rhodes and the Young Bucks, they're playing um, to self-finance a 10,000-seat event in 2018. Um, they didn't release like the venue. They haven't decided on the venue yet. But I think this is a little bit different. He said one of his goal matches is to be against Daniel, Daniel Bryan. Because yes. he's possibly, his uh, contract expires at the end of the summer. Yeah. So I'm kind of looking forward to this. This is going to be something different than WWE and all the other events. And, you know, they're going to be self. Well, the, um, the, the, the G1 special that they had in Long Beach, those two shows, everyone pretty much agreed they could have done a much bigger venue than I think that it was like a 2000 seat uh, of course. venue. Um, and they just sort of hedged their bets as to uh, not looking foolish, I guess. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, Ricochet and, and a lot of other people, uh, especially the Young Bucks, said that they wanted to do, you know, 10,000 seats next year. So now they're doing it themselves. Like, they're not even leaving it up to uh, New Japan or Ring of Honor or anybody. They're just saying, we, we think we can sell out a 10,000-seat arena. And hey, that's... And look, a lot of people talk a lot of shit in the, in the wrestling industry, okay? But a lot of them don't put up their own money and, and go, okay, we're going to put our money where our mouth is, and uh, let's see. Like, all the... what You know, uh, try to shut up all the naysayers. Yeah. Do you think they're going to do, like, an event around the same time, like, as a WWE event in the same... Or do you think no. it's going to be totally different? No. <laughs> I, that wouldn't be... Silly. Yeah, that wouldn't be a, a wise... 
way to do it. You mean like as part of like WrestleMania weekend or something? Yeah. I just don't think that would be I smart. Don't. I feel like this is the perfect time right now for the Bucks to do it because, you know, as you know, they're really hot right now. Everyone's talking about them and whether or not they could achieve this goal of reaching 10,000 people, which we know is difficult. It's not as easy if you're not WWE. Um, but the fact that they're actually like they're ha they're talking about it, they have people talking about it, they have people wondering, are they going to be able to do it? I think that is already making buzz where I know for a fact, once I heard about it, I was like, oh, I want to be one of those people that helps them get to that 10,000 yeah. goal, which I'm sure lots of people feel that way, too. Mm -hmm. And I think this is a good time to capitalize on it. Whether or not it will happen, it, I kind of feel like it almost doesn't matter just because they're trying to do this. Well, I mean, I think it should. It should I think the, the city will the city will be dependent, especially if they have a city where other people from different states and different cities who are wrestling fans, if they have the right city. I think it's definitely achievable. So it would be it would be wise to do it in a in a major, in a heavily populated area. Absolutely, out here or you know, um, obviously the New York market would probably be wise. Uh, any like a few of the markets in on the up, on, you know in the Northeast would be okay. Even Chicago. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. So, Chicago would definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Because then, then they could, you know, also tap into some of that, like, AAW or, or some other people who, you know, the, the, anywhere that they run, they're likely going to be able to not necessarily partner pe with people, but work with people that know the area, that have inroads. Yeah. I, you know, I mean, this they could go and, and uh, try to do something with Marcus and uh, um AAP, up there in uh, the in San Francisco at the Cal Palace. Yeah, uh, all pro. Wrestling. All pro wrestling. Durr, sorry about that. And also big times up there too. That's right. That's why I almost got them confused. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah the same. Because I worked for them both recently. Yeah, and yeah. I really like working with both of them. But yeah, the Cal Palace would be the I and I I also thought Cal Palace would be great for New Japan as well. What are you laughing at over there? I'm just <laughs> you missed it. Yeah, she was all. <laughs> she was all on top of me. She yeah. was like, I don't know where she just like comes and like gores me or something. It was funny. We're talking about, we're talking about Lula. <laughs> you know, well, the thing about the Bucks, too, that I like about this is the story of how this all came about with the tweet where a fan was asking Dave Meltzer if it was a possibility and then kind of taking it as a, well, let's see if we can do it. And even just that, like, even if they do do it, like, it's it's a cool backstory that this all I, started on Twitter. I remember the I remember the the uh, the Twitter exchange and I remember Cody just saying like something about like. Oh, you know, challenge. I, I don't think he said challenge accepted, but it was something along those lines. Like, yeah. you know, can, I consider that a challenge. Or they've been saying, you know, we're going to spend the money now so that we can make more money later. You know, we'll we'll spend it now and we'll yeah. we'll, we'll make more. Yeah. You know? um, but I think I think it's. it's I think they're be wise awesome. to bet on themselves. Yeah. And I I honestly feel like you know with the Bullet Club being the ones putting it on, or at least Cody and the Bucks, I feel like they have. A way better chance of filling a 2,000 seat arena than ROH ever has before. Um, as good a chance as New Japan would have of filling one. Like there have been ever since Ring of Honor's been around since the year you know 2000, there have been pro wrestling companies who have been trying to fill these arenas and and put on these shows, and they haven't. I mean, you know, we've gotten maybe some. 5,000, 6,000 people attending some wrestling shows, but 
no one's uh, no one's been able to, to pack out something the size of a 10,000 seat arena and, and I think that this is the best chance we have right now with that, how popular these guys are and them not necessarily being tied to anything because as popular as Ring of Honor is and has been in the past they're very specifically Ring of Honor and that Ring of Honor thing um, and they're not great at <coughs> grabbing casual fans yeah so I, I think that this is this is this could potentially be something really huge yeah yeah I you know and if they and if they manage to do Cody versus Daniel Bryan that's gonna be like that's gonna no be problem they're gonna well, yeah I mean that's the thing if they get that match I mean come on I don't think they, they will can... but they, they they could they very well could and I, I think that they can do I think they can achieve their goal without Daniel yeah Bryan. yeah I think the, I think they'll do it regardless yeah. I'm just saying like if that was the headline match, like then they don't even have anything to worry about. Yeah. I I like this uh, the the wrestlers be, being the promoters. Uh, I I like that in in the same way that I liked uh, some of the boxers becoming their own promoters, such as like you know uh, Oscar De La Hoya and Mayweather, Mayweather, you know those guys. You know, because I mean, they're putting their bodies on the line. Why not be the ones that are uh, reaping the 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 rewards on on the other end as well, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, and plus, who's going to do a better job of promoting, uh, you know, your event than, than you are? Hopefully, nobody cares more about it than you do. So. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, what else is up, TK? All right. Well, WWE superstar and former guest of the show, he actually suffers an injury at the NXT Takeover. So uh, Drew McIntyre, Drew McIntyre, excuse me, he's at NXT Takeover War Games, <laughs> and he actually has a bicep injury. But the th- interesting thing about this is that they said that he's back into um, like training and rehabbing, yeah. and he's hoping to get better by WrestleMania. So it doesn't seem like it's like a terrible. Kind so of we're not talking well, about still six months. Really? Yeah. It's still oh. not too bad is there a though. Involved? Like, yeah. Okay, so it's a major tear. Yeah, no, you could see it on the on at, on yeah. the finish. He grabs the rope when he's getting the DDT, and he held on to it too long. Is that how he did it? Yeah, it was that's on exactly the what happened yeah. to me in Australia. Yeah, when I was in Australia the first night, I tore my bicep. Not like that bad, but I definitely uh, partially tore it holding on. I went to get knocked off the yeah. The guy came and knocked me off the apron. Yeah. And I tried. I held on to the ropes, and that's yeah. what did it. Yeah, they're DDT off the top. Yeah, and uh, Drew just held on to the rope too long, went yeah. down with it. Yeah, and uh, you could see as soon as he got pinned, um, they, the camera was late getting off of Drew, and you could see him trying to like push the. You could uh, see it like uh, rolled up, yeah. huh? Yeah, like even watching it, everybody was like, yeah. "What's going on?" Because it was a little odd that he had been holding on for such a long time. That's, well, that's so it's unfortunate. A and, and the 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 thing everyone was thinking was, you know, since it it happened on the finish, like that was clearly the finish. Like, there's mm-hmm. no way to watch that match and be like, oh, they didn't. There's no way they called it on the fly or anything. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so watching that match and and having it be such a shock that almost won because I don't think anyone expected them to. Like, it seems pretty clear that they were going to call Drew up pretty soon, since exactly they they don't need a, that a guy that size in the in, in NXT right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh. As good as he is, so he was probably going to come up. I would say like late at the latest Royal Rumble, and then now, now he's on the shelf. I sure hope that Drew doesn't let this, uh, you know, knock him off his uh, his trajectory. I don't think it, I don't I don't think he will. Like having met the guy and knowing how how much he cares and yeah. how passionate he is, like passionate. I know it's a huge bummer, 
but I don't think he's going to let this. I think this is going to make him more determined. I to, hope so. To to because we can go himself. one way or another when it comes to these things. We can just let it just kill us. Yeah, man. Well, even in that moment, you can kind of read his face where he kind of had the the. Like, you, he knew that something was wrong. And, like, if, you know, obviously if he was going to go up to the main roster, he knew that that was in jeopardy yeah. now the second that that happened. I mean, it's just bad, bad So luck. when that happened to you, was it, like, a, like what was the feeling? Was it a sharp pain, a dull pain, or was it's it a that? burn. It's a burning feeling. Uh, yeah, and it aches. And you and it's just, yeah, you you know how you said you saw him put, like, push it there's an automatic feeling of wanting to do that. Like, yeah. cause to it put just, it like back. Yeah. Yeah. Gross. Uh, oh yeah. I'm so sorry for Drew. Cause yeah. I, God, Such he was a just, bummer. and he was firing on all cylinders mm-hmm. and there's no, no reason he can't come back from this and pick up. Yeah. Where he, but, but just, you know, I was, I was so bummed for the guy, but also bummed for us as fans because with someone as talented as he is, and now finally, after all this time, after his first stint in WWE, after 3MB, after Drew Galloway, now he is here, and it's like the sky is the limit on the yeah. main roster for this guy. And to have a six month setback is just brutal. Mm-hmm. Bummer. Well, Sorry to hear that, Drew. Anything else going on pro wrestling before we take a break? Come uh, back with Flash. Did anybody get to see Starcade at all? Cause I... No, no one gets oh, to no. see Starcade. <laughs> <laughs> but anybody like saw, heard of it, all this yeah, stuff. Yeah, no, no, we knew, we, yeah. knew, we knew about it. Yeah, so. but I didn't know if there's any clips floating around. There's some clips. Okay. Is there any clips? Do you guys have any clips? clips in the booth? Oh, we got one. Who's this? Damn, this, look at Arn. That's the enforcer. Oh, damn, Arn just hit Dolph Ziggler with the Spinebuster. Still the best Spinebuster in the world. <laughs> Better than Bobby Roode's. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bobby has a good one, too. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, that's just, it, it was great to see um, uh, uh, our pro wrestling editor, Brandon Stroud, actually got to go to Starcade um, nice. in Greensboro. And uh, Boy, Brandon sure makes it to a lot of places. He does, yeah. He's I saw him at the last WWE show. <laughs> yeah. He kept running by me, and I think he didn't know that I actually saw him. <laughs> Uh, he he saw you when it was too late. Yeah, was he was just you, I was ships passing. Ships passing in the night, yeah. but uh, we'll 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 see you at the next one. Yes, yeah. But so. uh, he got to go and he had a great time. And uh, the the natural Dustin Rhodes uh, pretended to be Gold Dust, uh, but it ended up being none other than the natural Dustin Rhodes. Wow, with the old music. I wonder if there was anyone going, oh, F this, I want the gold dust. No, not, no. not in Greensboro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, uh, he beat Dash Wilder uh, in, a, in a short match. And then he, he talked to the crowd, gave love to Dusty, gave tribute to the old NWA. Very cool. And anyone, how was the house? Anyone know? Uh, Brandon said it was great. Everybody it was, was, was having such a good time. It, uh, it was, uh, yeah, packed out. Um, you know, because uh, Rick Flair was there, the Rock and Rolls were there, the Hardys yeah. were there, so everyone. Had, and then double cage match made event. So. No Cody Rhodes. Uh, no Cody Rhodes, just Dustin Rhodes, just okay. the natural. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Cody gave his blessing. Uh, talked about it oh, on good. social media. So. Good. All right. Well, anything else before we take a break? We are good to go. All right, we're taking a break, and we'll be back shortly with Flash Webster Morgan. What's up, party 
people, Roxy's Dryer here from the Tomorrow Show with Kevin Undergaro. We're your twice weekly broadcast of one man's midlife crisis and the mad millennials in Star Trek uniforms that follow him. And I'm one of those millennials, Lauren Legrasso here. We've had some amazing guests like Russell Simmons, Ileana Douglas, and Craig Gass. Coolio, right? Christian Blatt in the house to tell you to go to thetomorrowshow.com to check us out. We're live every Monday and Thursday from 10 to midnight Eastern. That's thetomorrowshow.com. Be there, be square, whatever that means. Hey, Xbox 12360 fans, I just want to tell you two ways that you can support the show to help it grow. First, if you've ever wanted a shout-out or surprise message for various occasions from me, all you have to do is visit celebvm.com slash Sean Waltman to request a video today. Not only does it support the show, but a portion of the proceeds go to charity. Second, visit ProWrestlingTees.com slash Sean Waltman. That's the only place to grab shirts with the X-Pac 12360 logo, Wolfpack, or many other designs. If you pick up a shirt, make sure to tweet us using the hashtag X-Pac 12360. That's CelebVM.com slash Sean Waltman for a personal message from me, X-Pac. And ProWrestlingTees.com slash Sean Waltman for X-Pac, Wolfpack, and X-Pac 12360 gear. Thanks for supporting the show. Now let's get back to it. Welcome back to X-Pac 12360, everyone. Joining us right now over the phone, all the way from the UK, and uh, I saw this gentleman. Oh, by the way, we this is the second time we've tried this since... Uh, <laughs> since somebody's microwave behind but I, the seeds info. Yes. Hey everyone, joining us on the phone right now is Flash Morgan Webster. I'm a big fan of this guy. Yes. Hey man, thanks for having me. Really is a big honor. Hey, we we got cut off a little bit. Uh, Somebody warming up some tea or something in the microwave? Yeah, for some reason, my (laughs) microwave just knocks my Wi-Fi off. No reason. So uh, yeah, the girlfriend puts something in and then it just knocked the Wi-Fi completely off. Well, that's okay, because I wanted to redo it anyways, because I didn't like how the first one turned out. Right, <laughs> hey, man, hey, you started in 2006, huh? No, uh, 2009 I started. Nine? What? <clears throat> that's crazy. Denise, you told me 2006. I'm sorry. <laughs> anyways, when you started in 2009, uh, Sorry. Flash, you just got Denise fired. I hope you're happy. Fuck. <laughs> you could have just gone along with it. Sorry, Denise. It's okay. Anyways, oh, Flash. My mom's name's Denise. I saw that. <laughs> hey, man, I, I thought I was a big fan of your stuff at uh, PWG Bola this year, man. Such good stuff. Right off the really, bat. Really appreciate that. Thank you, man. I've been a big fan of yours for years, so that really does mean a lot. And uh, and the first t- your first match out the, the my very very first uh, I I never seen you in, in uh, like in any matches before that was uh, you and Marty Skrull, and you did that uh, you did the where you where would you hit him with the headbutt and then covered him one two three and he put his feet on the ropes last minute. Yeah, where he put his foot uh, yeah he put his feet under the rope and then everyone thought it was it and of course then it wasn't then the match really did start after that but yeah. It was a lot of fun, that match. Uh, a lot of nerves, I'm not going to lie. I've been watching Peter O.G. for years. So to uh, to be in that room and to be there in front of those fans, the nerves were really, really high, but I feel it came off uh, pretty well. Well, I think so, man. And and it's something that I heard uh, William Regal say to you when you got back, and he was giving you a couple of uh, pointers or some feedback, and he was saying that, you know, these people really like you, and that's not an easy thing to do in, in this day and age, man. 
when they don't know who you when they don't know you yet or whatever uh it's really hard to get people to like you right off the bat like that i, I think it's a weird one especially with indie wrestling nowadays i think everyone is everyone wants to be either the cool heel or yeah. like the kick-ass baby face or something like that and i don't know i think i've always been drawn to these to these baby faces that just like to sell you know your brett's your sean's your eddie guerrero's that have a lot of fire and just kind of want to sell a lot and i know that maybe it's not that popular to be those baby faces nowadays but that's just something i love to do and that's i feel that's why people get into my stuff yeah, but the thing is, is it is popular. It's just not like I just think a lot of guys don't like to do it, man. Hey, and how would you like me to address you, Flash, Morgan, or Webster? Which one? Flash is fine. Yeah, okay. Flash is fine. <laughs> yeah, but I just think that everyone, like you're saying, they want to be the cool this or that, and 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 I, I just think a lot of guys they don't understand what it does, what what an advantage it is to be able to sell and 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 sell properly like that. As I said, I've, I've done the I've done like the cool heel places. Yeah, it is fun, yeah. but uh, there is something about having that like that fire and that. There's a reason, like I said, Shawn Michaels my favorite wrestler, yeah. and Eddie Guerrero's my close second. And again, when those guys would get those big fiery comebacks, and they would just be selling around the the room for everybody, it was just I don't know. I think that's what really got me into wrestling and really captured my imagination, and that's what I want to be when it comes to being a babyface. Now, tell me about the mod character. Tell me about that. that. So I, so I started in 2009. I started in a school pretty much next to like Mark Andrews. Right. And for a while, I was very much cookie cutter, just like him, just a a clean babyface high flyer. And I can remember somebody saying at one point that there was nothing that kind of made me and him kind of stand out from each other. Right. And uh, my mum's always brought me up on Northern Soul and all the mod music. And I've, I was always a big fan of Oasis growing up. And it was the music I listened to, but I never thought about bringing it into wrestling. Yeah. And I don't know what it was. It was something. It, there was a show over here called This Is England. I don't know if it was big in the uh, in the U.S. Probably not. But, <laughs> uh, but it was it was on at the time, and I, I, and I was just obsessed with it. And I just thought, well, what if I kind of went down this route of this, of this mod character? And at the time, I was just wrestling as Flash Morgan. Right. And I just looked up a lot of uh, British surnames, and nobody was called Webster. So I just added Webster to the end. And I started off again, just trunks, just a few mod references. And then over the course of the next two or three years, I just thought to myself, how can I just make myself look like almost like uh, a rock star? coming through the curtain but also so stereotypical british gotcha. you can't ignore where i'm from and i think that's just been an evolution over the last couple of years when i was talking uh when i had uh william regal on the show not that long ago uh, we were talking about you and i made the dastardly mistake of referring to your your persona and your image as punk and he oh. corrected me oh. very quickly and he he made sure that I went and watched Quadrophenia right yeah. away, and I did. That's awesome. So sorry about that, even though you probably it's don't know okay. I did that. Well, I actually wanted to ask you, Flash. Um, you know, here in here in America, we just get snippets of British culture and British lifestyle. And I was curious. Um, I think a lot of Americans are familiar with the mod gimmick, for lack of a better term. Because, you yeah. know, everyone who goes through high school and junior high, they get into the Who, they get into the Clash. They, so they see little snippets of British subcultures. But 
is the mod character anachronistic at all to current British culture, or is it very much still a part of the culture? It's it's a weird one, because I think in those subcultures, there are places as well, and I know a lot of people who do still wear Fred Perry, who do still wear the Drainpipes, who are involved in that mod culture. I wouldn't say it's right at the forefront, but with myself being involved in it, I know a lot of people who are involved in it and who like it and who are big on it. But again, like some people who don't even know it that well will see me at a show and be like, oh, you like Liam Gallagher. <laughs> and again, I think just knowing that bit, knowing Oasis, kind of because they were so big in Britain, just getting that little snippet that they can relate to makes me approachable and makes me uh, versatile with any crowd I'm in front of. So I wouldn't say it's a big part of it, but I think Oasis, for one, and like the Beatles and the Jam were so big uh, that I, co- I don't think it can be ignored. How, how many conversations have you had with Noam Dar about Oasis? Because he named himself after Oasis. Well, he, yeah, but his name is actually Noam. So, like, but uh, he's, uh, yeah, me and him, we've known each other for years, but there was a period where I didn't meet Noam for about two years. And then by the time we kind of bumped into each other at Progress, we kind of were already friends just based off the fact that we liked the same music and we liked the same stuff. But that was another thing as well. When I kind of started going down this route, I knew that he was a big Oasis fan. I knew that he was doing a lot of Oasis references. So I had to make sure that when I ended up on shows with Noam, that I looked completely different to him. And I had to, and that's kind of forged who I am as well by making sure that I was a far away removed from being like Noam does I possibly could be. So what kind of feedback do you get from the mod community if maybe they're not like a wrestling fan and they just see your character? Uh, it's it's some people just literally go like, oh my god, there's a mod wrestler and they just they flock to it straight away. Mm-hmm. And then of course you get the the some people who uh, love the mod scene and they're into the mod music but don't like wrestling. Of course, if people aren't wrestling fans, no reason is going to be good enough for them. It never is. So with them people, I just kind of they'll probably sure. dismiss it. And that's fine. Not everyone's going to like wrestling, but usually, if you're a wrestling fan and you're into the you're into the mod culture, the moment you find out there's a mod wrestler, they welcome it with open arms. Because it's it usually, especially at my generation, a lot of wrestling revolves around new metal, thrash metal. So to find sure. a a mod wrestler in uh, wrestling, I think is pretty cool. Now, do do you uh, when you when you were coming up with this uh, concept were, were you thinking about it in terms of a baby face or a heel or just as just uh, just a persona in general I, I always think it's easier when you're trying to come up with characters I think it's easier to always be a heel I just think everybody thinks it's a lot easier to be a heel especially when you uh, you think of movies they usually have the bigger character traits usually comes from the villains in movies so I think when I approached it I probably did think about how can I be cocky? How can I be arrogant? Yeah. But uh, I was speaking to uh, Pete Dunn recently, and he believes that like there's no such thing as heels and baby faces anymore. There's just characters and situations. And I think t- thinking about that helped a lot. So I kind of know what my character does in certain situations. And that de- it depends on whether I'm the antagonist or the protagonist and how I then deal with those situations. But once you know the character itself, I think it's a lot easier then to kind of slot it into those heel and face dynamics. I I think um, I'm not sure how I feel. I I don't necessarily disagree with that. There are not any baby face or heels these days. I think there is still, but uh, uh, I just don't think it's as um, uh, it's not. 
it's not as uh, it's you don't need it. It's not like uh, we don't have to have like uh, a guy with the white hat and a guy with the black hat. Mm-hmm. You guys, yeah, yeah. people can pick who they like. You know, as long as they as long as they care about both competitors. But the the thing that that um, that I've thought about and and I've thought about this for for quite a while now is uh, when you're coming up and you're when you're first being um, you know introduced say say you're going to WWE or NXT or whatever it is um, and they try to introduce somebody as a babyface it's it makes it so hard when when you're not when nobody knows you to try to to try to uh, pass you up as a crowd favorite people you know how it is these days man people don't like to be told who to like and what to like mm-hmm. you know so yeah, that's true. it's Very just true. it's just you either to me either introduce somebody and, and let's see what the people think or introduce them as a heel like that's i, I just think it's uh you're really um not doing the the wrestler uh much of a service if you try to push him as a baby face coming down the chute I think that's a very good point. I, I think it's, uh, again, I think that's why a lot of people want to be heels, I think, because it's easier to get people to hate you than it is to get people to like you. And it's it, it's scary when people reject you as well. If people if you go out there and try to get people to like you and they just say, no, no, I'm not going to like yeah. you, you feel like you've done your job wrong and that's hard to take. As wrestlers, we, could, we do not take uh, that very well at all, being told that we're not very good. So, yeah, I think that's true. Well, I think you're... Excellent, man. You're not just very good. You're excellent, Flash. Thank you very much, man. Really, really appreciate that. Uh, while we're still talking about your character and the gimmick, um, you now have to travel all over the world uh, with a helmet packed in, yeah. your, in your gear. Uh, the helmet's not the problem. It's the parker that's the problem. The pa- like I haven't wore it at, at Peter G yet because I, I fear that if I wear the parker, I'm going to die of heat stroke because <laughs> it's so big and so thick. But the parka takes up so much more room. Like the helmet, once it's in the bag, I can put as many T-shirts into that helmet as possible. Hmm. But the parka, it takes up so who, much room. Who, who travels with more gear, you or Marty Skrull? Oh, I have to, I don't know. <laughs> I think it's I think it's close. I think it was funny when me and him were having the match at Bowler. It just seemed that we were like it was like a magician's trick. We just kept pulling out gear out of our <laughs> <Yeah>. bag. <laughs> hey, is that the parka you were wearing when you took the picture with Nash? Yeah, that's the parka, yeah. That's a hell of a parka, man. That thing is huge. I needed it for that building as well. I don't know if you spoke to him, but Island was freezing. It was in a big warehouse. It was so cold, so that parka came in handy that night. Nice, nice. So you had your documentary that came out, uh, Roadblock to Malice, um, and it kind of talked about your career up until this up until this point. Is is there any plans for a documentary like after you know the other other plans come into play? Because you kind of left it off of you got injured. You're talking about the comeback, and that's kind of where the documentary left off. So is there going to be another kind of part to that? Um, I don't know. Like it was there was never a plan, if I'm honest, to make a documentary in the first place. Uh, as you spoke about it, it was. Like, I had the match with uh, Zack Sabre Jr. for the Cruiserweight Classic Qualifier, and about two, three weeks before, I'd been approached by a, a guy, again, who loved the mod scene, and he'd he'd done some documentary stuff, and he was like, I just want to do a small five-minute uh, vignette piece on you. And I was like, that's cool, we'll do that after the Cruiserweight Classic match. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I dropped him an email a couple of days after I got hurt and said, well, we'll have to put this on hold. And he was like, well how about we do a documentary? He was like, we've got a narrative now and we can kind of follow it. 
and again, that was only going to be a short piece because we thought it was only going to be out for a couple of weeks, but it ended up being 10 months. So it ended up being a big, long piece. But um, it was never a plan to make the documentary. It was just something that happened along the way, which I'm very, very, very glad of because being injured is one of the hardest things because you don't have outlets. You don't have that connection mm -hmm. with the fans. So to have something to show them after the 10 months and be like, this is what I've done and this is how you've helped me, it was very, very fortunate to have that. And a big shout-out to Adam Williams who put it together as well. But uh, maybe, I don't know, but at the moment there's no plans to make one. I'd love to do another one if you wanted to, but uh, at the moment there's no plans. So, Flash, if uh, if you hadn't have gotten hurt in your match with Zack Sabre Jr., would you be in the WWE right now? Uh, as in the WWE UK? Uh, either. Uh, you tell I, me. I, I, I don't know. There's... <laughs> Uh, I'd like I'm I'm not there's no it's, there's no certainties in wrestling uh, I, I can't say I'll go I 100% would be I like to think that if I hadn't got hurt and I was still I was still well and yeah. on the scene when the Dury UK came about that I at least would have been uh, somebody they would have looked at or considered I feel that I would have been completely different to anyone any of the other 16 they would have brought in and I know that uh, again Willie Regal likes my look so I feel that that would have played a part uh, but I don't know. I, I like to think that potentially I would have been one of the 16 in that UK tournament. But who knows? Uh, and who knows what's what's coming in the future. But I like to think at least if I hadn't got hurt that I maybe would have been considered for it. So I guess what I was getting at is nobody ever mentioned to you, hey, we want to we want to sign you to a, to a contract. Uh, I've had I've had uh, I, I think with the WWE UK thing now, I think it's a little uh it, I don't think they know what they're doing with that at the moment. Like I've had, I've had tryouts uh -huh. since. I've had tryouts since I've come back, and the general consensus seems to be that, like, they don't know what they're doing with that UK division yet. Yeah. Uh, once they know what they're doing with it or where they're going, then I guess a lot more people will either have jobs there or they'll decide they're going to move people to the US. I have a but, pretty, I have a feeling that you, if if you choose, you know, choose not to go there, or if they actually for some reason uh didn't want you you'd be just fine i think you'd probably be uh you'd probably be just fine uh if you never went there i i somebody asked me the other day somebody was like would you want to go to dory and it's always been of course i think a lot of people get into wrestling because of dory oh, yeah. and that's always the the, the goal usually people would want to go but so, if somebody said to me would you want to go to the dory now and I, i'm not i can't tell you for definite if i was off the contract i'd say no but I, I like to think that there's, it's a weird one because people always used to say to me like, oh, I want to go to Japan, I want to go to Mexico, I want to do this, I want to sure. do that. And then I want to go to the WWE. And I always went, well, I just want to go to the WWE, but I guess now I'm, on a, I'm in a position where I probably could go to Japan, I could go to Mexico, I could do the indies, I could become a bigger name. I understand that a little bit more. So like, I know like you've got New Japan and New Japan's doing some great stuff. I'd love to go to New Japan, love to do uh, Super Juniors. Uh, and there's loads of like there's loads of uh, factions over there with loads of British people in. Yeah. And there's a, and there's a certain faction as well that I feel that I would fit into. And uh, I guess people can probably guess. And and uh, they don't have a British member at the moment. So I'd like to uh, I'd like to maybe go there. But I, I I like to think so. I like to think that if I didn't ever go to the Dory, I think that. Uh, maybe my brand is strong enough that I could survive outside. Well, I, do, I think so, too, and especially just because the, the way you've cultivated your whole persona and everything, I just think that uh, a lot of guys don't take it that far. They, they, they just don't put in... They don't go all in on, on it like, like you have. 
you know? It's... Uh, I can remember... Like, I'm a, I'm a good friend of Rockstar Spud, and he's been oh, someone, great. like, just seeing how he throws himself into everything. And I remember when I kind of made the move to, to go down the mod route and make sure I was doing that, I just remember thinking, like, he's all in. And my friend went to see a show with him on and said, like, he saw other wrestlers leaving in joggers and he saw other wrestlers leaving in jeans and they were supposed to be this character or that character. But Spud showed up in a leather jacket, in jeans, looking like a rock star. And when he left, he was looking like that as well. And to me, I just thought, like, Spud never broke that illusion. He never broke that. And that just adds so much more depth to the character that you don't know where it ends and where he begins. And I think that just really stayed with me. It does. And and what you just said there about, like, okay, he looked like a rock star when he left. He looked like when he showed up. Look, you can be that guy that show, that shows up in, in you know, jeans or, or sweatpants or, or whatever and be successful. You can. I'm not saying that, like, okay, if you do that, you won't be successful. It's just that when you do those things like you're talking about and you, and you, you do those little extra things... That that gives you an edge over everyone else. I just think it gives it just gives something that people want to believe in. Yes, uh, I think that's what it is. It's just oh, there's the wrestler, there's the guy behind the wrestler. Whereas I like it to think that when people see me, they just go, oh, that's Flash Morgan Webster, and that's the end of it. I I never I never once okay I might not have known the actual term mod, mm-hmm. although I should have, but I never once uh, thought you weren't one. Mm-hmm. Ever. Oh it, well, I think that goes a lot. That says a lot, a lot then. For sure, yeah. So when you first started wrestling, obviously the UK scene isn't what it is now. At that moment in time with, you know, not very many options, what made you stick around? And then now that it has grown and to have been a part of it, how do you feel and what do you think kind of got it all going? I just, like, why did I, I just love wrestling. I feel like there's, I know that sounds really corny and stupid, but I just, I've always loved wrestling. I started in my mate's back garden, just wrestling for the sake of it and, and when we first got out and started like traveling around from Wales, there wasn't money there. We were having to, myself, the Wild Boar, Mike Hitchman, Mark Andrews, were having to put our petrol money in and having to drive places. And we weren't getting wages at all because we wanted to go wrestle in front of these 50 people, some sometimes maybe six or seven people, because that's all we wanted to do was wrestle. And I think that passion was everywhere in the UK. And I think because we just kept striving and striving that eventually the fans came to us because they could see how much our scene loved what we were doing. So I, I it just generally and you know, I just comes for a passion really. And I think if anyone's getting into this business for money, you yeah, you can make a lot of money from it, but if you're getting into it for money, you're doing it for the wrong reasons. You should be getting into it because you love wrestling and if you love something well, uh, if you love something enough and you're passionate enough about it, the money will find you eventually. That's 100% true. I find that to be true. And, uh, I mean, it definitely happened. It worked that way for me. And I just I just know, uh, you know, when you do something for the love of it, it, it just makes all the difference in the world. Well, if you've got a love for something, it, like, if you, like, if they, I said this the other day to somebody, if tomorrow they turned around and said, it's now illegal to make money off wrestling, if they went, okay, <laughs> you can yeah. no longer make money off wrestling, yeah. I'd still be wrestling. Yeah, man. Of course, uh, and 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 the truth is, is I would too. And 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 I've been, you know, uh, 
you know, obviously I've I've done a few things in my career and I've been a few places that a lot of people, if they've been to those places, they don't want to do other things anymore. They don't want to do, you know, they think it's beneath them to do, you know, uh, an independent show with, you know, 500 people or, or something along those lines. And uh, I feel differently, you know. Um, I just... You know, I was I was just in Australia. I, they love you in Australia, by the way, uh, Flash. I was just over there, and uh, and Zack Saber Jr. was over there with me. And uh, anyways, they would love you there. I don't know why I was saying all that. <laughs> I definitely I definitely want to go to Australia. That's definitely a place on my bucket list I want to take off. When hey, where are you working mostly now? UK based. Uh, so uh, this weekend, Thursday I was at TNT. Uh, Friday, I was up uh, north of England in Wigan. I was in Italy on the Saturday, and then I was in Progress Wrestling on the Sunday. Huh. And 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 when you come here to the states, are you mainly just working for PWG, or are you working for other companies over here? At the moment, PWG. Uh, I since since Bowler, I have had a few places approach me, and they have asked me uh, to come out, and I've been in talks with them. Some things match up, and some things didn't. Uh, so again, it's a weird one because if someplace wants to bring me in for like one day in the states, then it's so it's doing so well over here in the UK that that place has either got to be able to give me two or three dates so I can make that money back because right. I am a full time wrestler in the UK. Uh, otherwise, I've got to look at it and go, okay, exposure wise, uh, does this work out? Is it better for me to do the dates in the UK? Should I go there? Yeah. But I do have, uh, I do have some other dates in the US coming out. They haven't announced them yet, so uh, that I'll leave that to them. But uh, I should be in the US a lot more next year. That'd be great because it's. I mean, there's going to be a big demand for you, especially after you've been on this show. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for doing this. <laughs> Just kidding. Have, go you, ahead, have no. you really never uh, been booked by Chikara yet? Um, I did Chikara in 2000 and. 15, 2015, okay. I did King of Trios. It was uh, me, Mark Andrews, and Pete Dunn. Hey, was I as, there? Uh, as team attack. Uh, was you, no, you wasn't. Uh, no, you definitely wasn't. I think you might have done 2014. I yeah, think. I think so. Tyler Bate was there. That's where I first time I seen Tyler. Wait, wait, that might. Wait, did they wrestle the Bullet Club? No, no, they wrestled. All I know is Tyler did this uh, giant swing. Uh, Giant swing, fire, uh, what do you call it? Uh, airplane, airplane spin combo. And the guy that he had on his shoulders for the airplane spin was well over 300 pounds. Not to mention the guy that he was giant swinging at the same time. And that blew me away. But that would, anyways, you're on the show, not Tyler. Sorry. He's <laughs> <laughs> cool. He's great. I love him. Yeah. And I, you know what I love is, is, is the camaraderie you guys have for each other. In, instead of being so cutthroat like wrestling used to be back in the day, like all the like all the Brits, I I noticed like I don't see that with with you guys. No, I, I again I think it's because our scene was on its ass. Like our yeah. scene was dead, and I think because our scene was dead, that we were just kind of the only thing you were getting out of it a lot of the time was friendship yeah. because you wasn't making money, you wasn't getting these big houses. So I think the fact that the moment we started drawing then. We had just everyone worked so hard together that we just went well. Working together seems to be bringing in all these fans. So why yeah. would we stop that? What do you think? It, what What can you? Uh, if there's one thing you can uh, you can credit for 
building the the industry back up there, what would it be? I, I don't know. I think I the internet I think plays a huge part in it. The internet's a, definitely a big thing. Uh, I think one person in particular, I think the real first wrestler to kind of break the mainstream and draw attention to wrestling a little bit more in the Britain was probably Grado, if I'm honest. I was wondering if you were going to say that. I had a feeling, yeah. Yeah, that's because a... I feel like ICW, everyone seems to know about ICW. Yeah. And then from ICW, then like progress started like popping up, and then Rev Pro started hitting its stride and other places. And I, I, I feel that. He's maybe forgotten about a little bit now because, like, you've got your Marty Skrulls, you've got your Mark Haskins, you've got your Jimmy Havocs, but I do feel that he definitely was uh, influential on uh, this becoming a a boom period for British wrestling. Yeah, I would would, uh, definitely classify him as a phenomenon in the UK wrestling, or just the UK in general, yeah, for sure. Yeah, we we call him, like, I'm sure you've probably heard this before, like, we call him the Dusty Rhodes of the UK. I 100% would agree with that, yeah. Yeah. Who would you consider yourself? Who would you compare yourself to? Uh, Who would you like I, to I think? Don't, I don't know. I'd like, I'd like, I'd like maybe, uh, it's, it, like, I, I would love to say Eddie. I love Eddie and stuff like that, but I, I don't know, man. I, I, I think that's a tough question. <laughs> yeah. I When somebody asks me questions like that, I don't like, I don't like answering them. <laughs> so that was kind of <laughs> shitty of me to ask you one. <laughs> <laughs> Flash, one of the cool things about how you started training was that you started training on mats. Can you tell us what that experience was like? Horrific. <laughs> Horrific. Like, I know it's like, I guess looking back on it now, it, it, it was really bad. And like, it took, like, I can remember coming from training feeling real beat up because these mats were wafer, wafer thin. But I, again, I just wanted to wrestle. And I just, I think being, even if it wasn't in a ring, like just being taught how to wrestle, I just loved it. So no doubt that's probably done irreparable damage to my body and has probably taken off a couple of years down later down the line because there was no give on those mats and in the floor. Uh, but yeah, I, I just love doing it. And I, I, I do feel now that the the trainees coming into British wrestling now don't know how good they've got it. I It took me months before I even stepped foot in a professional wrestling ring. Like I can remember being on shows ready for shows and like an hour or two before the show being taught how to run the ropes because I'd never run the ropes before. Yeah. Well, you so, know, you know, Flash, um, I, I don't disagree with, with that way of training. Like, okay, I, it, it'd be nice to have a ring the whole time, but we didn't, we didn't touch the ropes for, for at least like two or three months at, and from the time that I started. We, we had to, we had to, master all the all the moves before we could ever even come close to touching the ropes running the ropes or whatnot it's something now i feel that's taught uh, really really early on how to run the ropes oh yeah it's like one of the so, first things right Seems yeah like, like i it's definitely well rolling i think is the first thing they teach yeah. them and then uh running the ropes and then probably bumping after that but yeah i didn't t- i didn't get in a ring probably till about three or four months after i started training now when and you but you started just kind of and and I did this when I was when I was younger too uh, before I started actually training and wrestling, I I built a ring in the backyard and we just kind of tried to figure things out on our own. Yeah, that's pretty much how we used to do it. Like I said, like me and uh, I don't know if you if you haven't seen his work, definitely go check it out. The Wild Boar Mike Hitchman, he's uh, he's just lost the ICW Tag Team Champions. Yeah. 
so he works up there with uh, Grado and stuff like that. But nice. I've been friends with him since I was 14. We used to just go. We used to go down the local garage and convince them to uh, to give us loads of uh, tires. Yeah. Tell them this media project. So we used to have tires, uh, then mattresses, then woods, and then uh, mats and and carpet underlay. And that's how we started. And everyone in our town knew us as the as the wrestling kids. I can remember once being stopped by the police as we were carrying this wood. Yeah. And they literally stopped and asked us what we were doing. And the moment we kind of like started to explain, they went, oh, you're the wrestling kids. And they just drove off and didn't care that we had oh, the words. Right so, so how uh, was that? How I, was how was that going from uh, from doing that and figuring things out on your own to actually starting to be trained properly? It, it helped because like we'd walk into uh, we kind of decided we were going to go and do per, uh, professional wrestling and we got ourselves in a gym first and tried to get in some reasonable shape. So by the time we got there, we were expecting to walk in and see all these athletes. And as you know yourself, wrestling attracts the biggest variety of people some people <laughs> yeah. are athletes some people have never stepped foot in a gym in their life yeah. so uh we went there and we're, we were like probably middle of the road when it came to how we looked physique wise and uh even though we couldn't uh mat wrestle yeah we were able to do the moves and i think that that showed straight away that we had ability but i think the biggest takeaway from training was learning how to mat wrestle and learning how to like tie up and and lock up properly. That was our biggest takeaway because we could do a lot of the moves and we could do a lot of the flips. Yeah. But what we could do was all the little bits in between that make you a pro wrestler. That's it, man. That's what I people. I try to tell people the magic happens in between the moves. I I I I can remember being on a night out and like my entrance music went off and like all the boys of course had a drink and everyone just starts like flicking their hair and like dancing around flamboyantly and I can't remember who it was it might be Mark Andrews turned to me and he was like that's when you know you've got something when everyone can copy what you do oh, and I yeah. was like oh yeah that makes a lot of sense and I'd never really thought about it till that moment that like everyone tries to do the cool moves but you know yourself if for example uh, Motorhead comes on in a club everyone's taking a swig of their water and spitting it up in the air and pretending to be Triple H exactly. you need those mannerisms in between that make you the character that people want to pretend to be on the playground while you trained alongside Mark Andrews, what was that like? He's like he's he's my best. He's one of my best mates. Like I went and spent uh, a week down in a log cabin with him, uh, his girlfriend, my girlfriend, Wild Boy and his girlfriend. So and he'll spend Boxing Day with us down in the Welsh Valleys as well. So like I'm still best mates with him. So he hasn't changed. He's somebody who has had uh, quite a lot of success, and his band's doing really well now. But he hasn't changed. If anything, he's gotten nicer, which I didn't think is possible. <laughs> but I, I think he might have gotten nicer. Well, speaking also of Wild Boar, you had your first match against him. You guys are like so like close knit together. What was all that like? Yeah, he's. Uh, I'd probably say like if we go back to uh, if we go back to Sean's question about uh, who do I think I am, I'd probably say I'm probably like Sami Zayn. And then I'd say that the Wild Boar is probably my Kevin Owens. And I think that we're always going to be entwined some way. We just seem to go away for a while and then come back and we'll be in a feud somewhere. Or like he had a belt somewhere and I end up winning my first championship this year. And he was the person I beat for the belt. So it just seems to be that mine and his career and life seem to be intertwined completely. Uh, Flash, you were saying earlier about... Um your tryout experience and your your cruiserweight classic experience 
do you get the impression right now that uh, although WWE doesn't seem to know what they're doing with their UK division, do you get the impression that they're sort of viewing people from the UK right now as either being in with the other UK guys or nothing? Are, are they considering, you know, bringing some people into NXT or into the cruisers like they were doing previously? I have no idea. I, I think that they're probably still interested to do the UK show. I think if you watch the Pete Dunne and, and Tyler Bate match from TakeOver, yeah. then that's, that speaks volumes of how good that show could be mm-hmm. if given uh, if given the right platform. But I, I'm in no illusion as well that it's probably costly for them to do a weekly show or even a monthly show over here because they'd have to bring over a whole team or they'd have to let go of the reins and allow somebody over here to create the show, which, again, must be very, very scary for them. So I don't know. I think if they realize what they've got or what they can do with the UK show, I have no doubt that they're going to have to pick up a lot more guys because I think maybe they only have maybe 12 or 13 people under contract at the moment, which isn't enough to do a show. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, if they decide then that they're not going to do the UK show, I guess that the people that they really like and the people that they see a future in, they're probably going to have to move them to Florida. Do you uh, do you want to talk to us a little bit about your your own podcast, Wrestling Friends? Which yeah. is probably why we've had trouble getting you on this show for so long because you've uh, been focused on your own thing. I'm a little bit <laughs> I'm a little insulted. Uh, you haven't invited me on on Wrestling uh, Friends uh, yet. Am I not your friend, Flash? Uh, I, I I I only ever do them face to face. So uh, okay. uh, Sean, when we end up in a room together, we're definitely going to do a podcast. Yeah. Well, next time you see me, whip out that microphone. Oh, I will. I will. <laughs> yeah, but talk about your show, man, because uh, I just I really like the name of it. So uh, it's available on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, or wherever, wherever you get your podcast from. Uh, but it literally started off when I got hurt. I had the idea. I had the idea about doing a podcast for a while, and I'd recorded an episode, and I'd listened to it back and realized I hated the sound of my voice. And then I was like, oh, I don't know if I can do this. And then I got hurt. And I just thought to myself, well, I'm going to be out for 10 months. How do I stay connected with these these fans? How do I make sure I've got content and I've got stuff that they want to engage in and I don't get forgotten about? Because that can, that can happen. I'd only just started making an impact in the UK and all of a sudden it was taken away from me. So I decided, okay, I'm going to do a podcast. And I'm in, I'll put my hands up and say, when, it, when I started the podcast... It was a complete rip of Colt Cabanas, 100% complete rip of Cabanas. And over the last year, it's kind of found its own identity and it's become more than that. But the, it originally was going to be called the Modcast. 100% oh, nice. was going to be called the Modcast. But uh, there's uh, there's a show over here called the uh, In Betweeners. I don't know if you've seen it. And I have. There's, <laughs> there's, a, there's a character on there that I remind a lot of people of. And he always says, friends. And... <laughs> I decided well, I'm going to call it Wrestling Friends because I'm just going to embrace something that the fans like to chant and say to me. And that's why I am. Every week I sit down with a friend that I've made through wrestling. Hmm. So it literally is a weekly podcast. I think I've only ever, it's been, I've been doing it now for 62 episodes. I think I've only ever missed three weeks uh, due to either a tryout or this reason or that reason. And it it's me sitting down with some of my friends through wrestling, some people will know, like I've had Pete Dunne on there, I've had Tyler Bates on there, Mark Andrews, I've had Jimmy Havoc on there, so a lot of names people will know, but also a lot of people that 
people won't know either. So I like to think that hopefully people come for the names that they uh, recognize and then they stay for the people that they don't know. So you can get a well-rounded experience of who's doing well or who's contributed to the British wrestling scene. And what, what are the topics of conversation usually? Uh, starts off me just kind of chatting about how they got into wrestling because, again, that's something you you can spend years on a show with people and you never ever ask somebody, what got you into wrestling? Yeah. So that's always something I like to start off with. And then we kind of chat about training because, again, depending on when you come into training, where you've come from in the UK, your everyone's training was completely different yeah. because wrestling is not a uniform sport, so everyone's training is going to be completely different. And then we'll just kind of get into it then and start speaking about their careers, their personal life. And I just, I let them lead the conversation where they want to take it. I always uh, have a joke at the start of the podcast where I say, I'm not, I'm not the host. I'm the facilitator of the conversation. Yeah, And I like to think that I just kind of like allow them to take the conversation where they want to go. And if I feel that there's issues or if there's stuff they've done that we should touch on, I'll guide them that way. But a lot of time, I just let them talk it out. Nice. So with your career, wrestling career growing so much, do your family and everybody back home still see you as the guy as, from Deal or Nordeal? Hmm. Uh, a lot of people do, yeah. A lot of people uh, always speak to me about that. But I'm from a small Welsh Valley's town. Where I'm from, nobody really leaves, if I'm honest. People kind of get jobs there. They kind of start families and... They live there and, and, and they die there. And a lot, of them, a lot of people don't go chasing dreams. They just kind of stay in that small town. And that's nothing against that. A lot of people have families and have houses and they're completely happy. And, and that's all anyone wants for happiness. But that was never enough for me. So kind of whenever I go back down there, like I'll be back over there Christmas because at the moment I, I live in Stafford, uh, which is in the middle of England because it's a lot better for wrestling. But uh, I'll go back down Christmas time and everyone will uh, talk to me about uh, wrestling and want to know what I'm doing and stuff like that and see where I am. But, like, my mum uh, was more, way more excited about me being on Deal and Ordeal than she was about me getting a WWE tryouts. <laughs> she was way more excited about me on Deal and Ordeal. So I think a lot, more pe- a lot of people prefer and are a lot more interested in that than they are the wrestling. But I think that's uh, something that helped me in the past and it's something that a lot of people will never forget. So did you have... Did you have uh... Uh, the proper, you know, support for, you know, when you decided you were going to follow your dreams? Did you have those people that were the naysayers and trying to get you not to do that? Um, like, my mum's uh, my mum's always been pretty supportive. She's, she'll tell you now that she doesn't like me wrestling. She yeah. scares her to death. I think she's always just been worried that, you know, financial security. Yeah. Uh, she forced me to go off and get a teaching degree, so I'm a qualified teacher. Um, and when I got hurt and I was injured for 10 months, I did a lot of supply work. So I think she took a lot of uh, a lot of pride in knowing that she was right, that I needed to get that teaching degree for when I was injured. But the one person I kind of like, I loved him to death, but like my grandfather before he died, he was he was a big naysayer and he was, he was more of a, I like to say he was a dream buster. And he was a dream buster because he was 70 years old. He'd worked in the mines in Wales He'd come like from nothing. He couldn't read. He couldn't write. And I think he was just afraid that I was going to go chase these dreams, and I wasn't going to succeed. And he didn't want to see me fail. So th- for him, it was a lot. It was a lot easier for him to say to me, "Don't do this. Go get a proper job." Do you, like it. Do you it think it was? Work. Do you think it was possible that maybe he wanted to follow a dream and, and decided not to? 
and you know maybe you know you know what i mean flash is that i a... i don't know i he, he, i don't know like I, I i like to think i knew him pretty well but he didn't seem to have any hidden talents no. or hobbies that he seemed to be into or something like that. i think it was probably just a generational gap sure i think he came from a, a time where people just got jobs and they just settled down and had families yeah and anyone who tried to go off and and do anything different kind of was looked down on like he had a sister who moved and went to london and their relationship never seemed to be the same they yeah. he would always he would always have sly remarks about her and stuff like that and i think it's because she left the valleys and because he didn't like that that she left the family i just i but, I, I noticed that uh when i had adrian street on the show uh last year he, he kind of had a, a similar story and you know how he had to leave you know his Family where his father's a coal miner, you know. He so the interesting thing about Adrian is, uh, so I've never met Adrian. I really, really want to meet and chat it to Adrian. So I'm from the exact same town as Adrian. Wow. So literally, we are from the exact same town. So whenever I speak to anyone who of, of age, and I say I'm a wrestler, the first thing they'll say to me is like Adrian Street. Oh wow. So I think so. I think it's crazy. Like me and Wild Boar from the exact same town, and. I, I literally want to meet Adrian so much because I want to just sit down with him and, or even if I meet him on a show and be like, hey, I'm from Brumau as well and people say to me I couldn't do it and like you're the person that, that everyone talks about at home because even though he was the guy that everyone said, oh, don't go off, you, you're doing it wrong, he's still the person that when you mention wrestling, everyone talks about. Yeah, absolutely. And I do steal a little bit of his stuff, the way he walks to the ring and stuff like that. I am. I'll be lying if I didn't say I have stolen a little bit of Adrian Street along the way. <laughs> I just think that's that's um, that's inspiration. I don't. I don't really look at it as stealing. Like, uh, I mean, I know we say that, but uh, I think it's good when we do those things. When we take little bits and pieces from the people that we look up to, and, and I think it's a tribute to them. I don't think it's stealing anything. There's you know? a there's a good quote from uh, the artist Damien Hurst. He says, "Good artists borrow." A great artist steal. Hell yeah. I quite like That's that. That's what's up. <laughs> hey man, what else, what do you have going on right now that uh, you'd like people to know about? Uh, if anyone's listening, like go definitely go check out the uh, documentary that we spoke about because Adam oh, Williams yeah. did a great job of that. That'll give you a great insight into me and what I've done and you know, my match with Zack Saber Jr. So that can be found on my Twitter. So if you go, it's the pin tweet at the top, which is at flash underscore Morgan on the Twitter. Uh, again, check out my podcast, Wrestling Friends, and Morgan Webster's Wrestling Friends. It's on uh, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, or wherever you get your, your podcast from. And uh, Big Cartel, I guess, as being independent wrestlers, uh, we do rely on the support of the fans, and it's so great that everyone's so willing to give and support wrestling as well. Yeah, we, we do get paid to wrestle, but I'll, I'll tell you now that a lot of our money that we make is made at the merch table, and we wouldn't. I wouldn't be able to be a professional wrestler if it wasn't for the support of the fans believing in me. So yeah, uh, MorganWebster.BigCartel.com. Anything that would be. Uh, do you have a, Do you have a pro wrestling tea store? Or do you do something different? I have pro wrestling. I have a pro wrestling tea store. So I guess we pro wrestling teas for slash Flash Morgan Webster. So I've had a few more. I've had a few more sales on that because I'm breaking through into America now. So again, if anyone's listening to this and they want to get anything from America. Do that at uh, Pro Wrestling Tees forward slash Flash Morgan Webster. But again, most of my stuff can be bought at um, morganwebster.pigcartel.com. Nice. Hey, man. Um, 
looking at looking at how you've been doing things, man. I I just got to compliment you. Uh, I think you're. It it just really seems like you're you're making a lot of the the really good decisions that need to be made, and when people are coming up in wrestling, and uh, man, I I really hope that you keep your head on straight like it like it's on now, uh, because the sky's the limit for you, Flash. It really is, man. I I, I I'm a big big fan of what you're doing, and I I really want to thank you for coming on the show today, man. Man, I I like it's it's bizarre to me that like. Sean Waltman is telling me that he's a big fan of my work. Like, I, I don't am, think man. I'll ever, I don't think I'll, I'm always going to be that kid who's like 11 years old who loves wrestling and loved it when he used to team with Kane. So to me, like, it's bizarre that you were even saying that, like, that you're a fan of my work, let alone that I'm kind of on your podcast. I love, but it does mean the, wor- Flash, uh, mean the world. I love wrestling as much as I did when I was 10 years old. It's hard to look at it through the through the lens of through the eyes of of a 10-year-old child anymore, but uh, but I'm still a huge fan of this and I hope that when you get to this point that where I'm at in your career that you can still be as big a fan of wrestling as I am. Thank you so much for coming on, man. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Thank you very much, Sean. Have an awesome day. You <laughs> Thanks, too. Thanks, Flash. Flash Morgan Webster everyone. Yeah. All right, that was fun. Yeah, that was man. I kind of i um, i feel like I, I coming out of the box. I, I kind of wasn't there, but we picked it up uh, thanks to you guys. I appreciate it. I, I feel like sometimes we have better conversations with people whose work we don't have necessarily an, exci- an, an encyclopedic knowledge of. Yeah, because then we can just get to know them better as a person. Yeah, and as a, as a professional. Yeah, and I'm just you know just the. Like I said, when I saw him at, at PWG, I'm like, this guy's going to be somebody. Yeah. I mean, he's already somebody. Sure. So, uh, thank you, guys. Yeah. I appreciate uh And, hey, we miss Jimbo. Don't don't think because uh, I didn't mention Jimbo wasn't here earlier. Uh, for, forever in our house. Yes, heart. yes. <laughs> so, uh, you know, sometimes things take us away from uh, X-Pac 1, 2, 3, 60. It's just the way it is. It's tragic. We miss you, Jimbo, and we love you very much. And... Uh, um, thank you guys. Yeah. And I hope you all had a happy Thanksgiving and everything. We did. Well, um, we'll see you all right here next week on X-Pac 1, 2, 3, 60. From executive producers Maria Manunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, Sean Waltman, producers Jimbo Frank and TK Trinidad, managing producer of AfterBuzz TV Wrestling Mark Donica, and the entire X-Pac 1, 2, 3, 60 staff. We would like to thank you for tuning in. Like us on Facebook, rate and comment on iTunes and YouTube. Follow X-Pac on Twitter at TheRealXPac and email us at xpoc12360show at gmail.com. This has been a presentation of the AfterBuzz TV Network. Buzz you later!